Making Beatles songs, woohoo! <laughs> some are short and some are long, woohoo! <laughs> Ranking Beatles ain't easy all of the time. I'm never sure what I'm thinking. Please to rank ya! <laughs> yeah, yeah! Yeah, yeah! <laughs> well, that's what I got today. <laughs> Not bad for, you know, first song back out of a break. Yeah, it's I'll pretty take good. It. It's pretty good. Welcome, everybody, to Ranking the Beatles. Uh, hope you're all doing well. Uh, I am Jonathan, your your host on this epic journey through futility as we continue ranking the entire collected works of the Beatles. Over here to my left, somewhere to your, uh, I don't know where she is in your sonic spectrum, depends on what you're listening to really, but over here is my lovely co-host Julia. How are you, my love? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's good to see you. You too. It's good to see everybody. It's been a hot minute. We can't see you though. We can't see you. In real life, but we we know you're there. It's good to talk at you. Yes. (laughs) We took a short little break, a little summertime break. Things got busy, so we had to kind of call a little time out as we do from time to time. Also, it's just too hot to do anything. Yeah. It's also incredibly hot. (laughs) So I spent a lot of time just like sitting under the fan and going, oh, God, (laughs) why do we we live here? Yeah. But um, it's warm. Yeah. But yeah, you had to do life for a little bit, but we're back. And that means it's time to rank some Beatles. So uh, let's uh, let's get into the damn thing, y'all. Our guest this week is returning for his second visit with us here. Uh, he's best known as the guitarist, keyboardist, and backing vocalist for Seattle indie icons Death Cab for Cutie, who last year released their 10th studio album, Asphalt Meadows. Then in March of this year, followed that up with an acoustic version of the album as well. Uh, both versions, absolutely fantastic. Highly recommend you check them out. He's also spent years as a sideman for artists like Robin Hitchcock and Rayla Montaigne, in addition to releasing his own solo albums, which we've discussed here previously on the show, uh, including one which is a full cover of Ram, and his most recent album is a full album cover of Air's Moon Safari. Uh, you can catch them on the road this fall with Death Cab and the Postal Service on their co-headlining tour celebrating the 20th anniversary of their albums Transatlanticism and Giving Up, respectively. Uh, we're going to be there in Boston checking it out. So, so if they're coming to your town, you need to go, although I think tickets are pretty sold out. So try if you can. It'll be a good show. Uh, anywho, friends, let's do it. Welcome to the show, Dave Depper. Dave, welcome back to Ranking the Beatles, man. How are you? I'm great. How are you? We are wonderful. It is so nice to see you. It's nice to see you as well. Yeah. I feel that was very speak and spell. <laughs> <It> was. <laughs> hmm. Would you like to play a Listen, game? I'm just, I'm reading the script you sent me. Am I doing something wrong? <laughs> You're doing great. Just, you know, <laughs> checks in the mail. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, it's good to see you, though. We last, uh, we last touched base with you uh in March of this year, and you've been super busy uh, since you guys put your last record out last September. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. And then you put out the acoustic version uh, this year? (laughs) Yes. I'm starting to lose track of everything we've been doing, but I do believe that we put out an acoustic record this year. (laughs) Yes. That sounds accurate. Yeah. <laughs> but super busy year treated you well, I assume? Yeah, it's been a wonderful album cycle as they call it. Um the reception of the record was wonderful, kind of beyond our biggest greatest expectations. Uh the touring mostly was totally awesome, full shows, happy crowds, reception of the material was great. Uh, I've been to some pretty fun places we played the royal albert hall which is a highlight of my whole life and i'm gonna make the joke i made before you started recording but now i know how many holes it takes to fill the albert hall (laughs) turns out a lot of them um and yeah yeah it's been good and then yeah gearing up for a very busy fall as well and that's kind of starting in a in about a week too yeah so trying to grab as much summer in Portland as I can for the next few days, and then off into the great blue yonder I go. 
Nice. I'm so glad that Asphalt Metals is Asphalt Meadows is getting a great reception because it really is such a great record. It's completely well deserved. Like it's really, really good. Every time you put it on, I'm like, yes, thank you. This is very y'all good. killed it on. This, that. Is, this <laughs> is what I want to hear. Um, and I was literally just talking with a coworker earlier about it. Like we just, um, she asked me if I was traveling anytime soon. I said next month we're going to Boston. And she was like, why are you going to Boston? And I said, we're going to see Death Cab. And she's like, oh, wow, that's so cool, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, have you heard their latest album? And she was like, no, I completely missed that they put a record out. And I was like, go listen to it. It's very good. So like literally today had that conversation. So I'm, you're welcome, for starters. Um. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I After Single we're done, I'm thing. calling Atlantic Records and telling them to fire their publicity department. You bastards. <laughs> JK. Um, that's great. I'm, I'm delighted to hear that. Uh, yeah, I, uh, we're very proud of that record. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's so, it's such a relief to know that like we set out to do this thing and we pulled it off and if anything, I'm starting to look ahead at making another record. I don't know when that's going to happen. It's kind of like, Oh crap. We actually made a really good one last time. We gotta, we gotta top it. But yeah, that's it's a that's a twenty twenty four problem. You yep. you mentioned that you the, that the record was received better than you all expected. Uh, that's interesting because I feel like you guys are still you know on a really kind of upper echelon of like acclaimed and like you know regarded bands. Were you all expecting differently at this point, kind of in the longevity of the career? I guess. With the last few records, reviews were good, but it was just kind of a like, this is a a good band making good records still. Here's another good record by this good band. And <laughs> like, you know, go see them live, which is great. You know, that's absolutely so much more than most people can expect. So we're, we're all grateful for that. But there was a there was a definite edge and something different with the reception to this one. Like just the, we all felt very inspired and reinvigorated creatively making the record it just felt different than the last few we'd made and but you still never know like how it's gonna sound to people until they actually hear it and so you mm -hmm. until you start reading what they're saying about it and it was just <laughs> nice to know that we weren't hallucinating while we were making the record like oh yeah we did take some risks and go out on a limb and kind of switch things up a little bit and people are noticing it so uh so yeah it's nice so yeah reviews weren't bad before anything like, like that but i think it just sort of woke people up and and it yeah. was surprising that like on our 10th record we were kind of throwing a few curveballs at least yeah. <laughs> yeah that's awesome and what kind of inspired y'all to do a full acoustic version of it uh let's see how did that happen um when we were first promoting the record like a year ago uh, we were doing that thing you have to do these days where you like play on a radio show and they're like, play an acoustic version of your new single. And <laughs> so the single was Roman Candles, which if anyone listening has heard the record, it's a very distorted, saturated, noisy thing. And so playing it acoustic is just by definition going to sound totally different. And mm -hmm. we played it acoustic and people started kind of responding to it like, yeah, that's wow, it's really fantastic. I'm kind of hearing that song, hearing things in that song I'd never heard before. And we're kind of like, huh, maybe, you know, this sounds really good acoustic. We should we should record this song this way one of these days. And then in the fall, uh, the song Pepper came out as a single. And similar thing, record labels like, well, you should record an acoustic version for like a, you know, Spotify bonus track or something like that. You know, mm -hmm. just the stuff you got to do. And then we're like, well, OK, so we're already being asked to record Pepper. We want to record Roman Candles. Why don't we just do the whole record and like challenge ourselves to do it in a week so we booked five days in a studio in seattle like right before christmas and just went in with no plan other than just we're gonna hell or high water re-record this whole record acoustically <laughs> and kind of first thought best thought uh no predetermined arrangements or anything and just bust it out and we did and and that's what it was so it, it was so uh spontaneous that when I heard it a few months later, I kind of didn't remember what it sounded like because we just did it really fast and I kind of didn't listen to it again. And we would put a song in the can and there was no like listening to it the next day and going back over. It was just like, no, song's done. Let's, let's keep going. <laughs> and uh, it was a very fun way to do things. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's how that came to be. Nothing more fancy than that. That's I love that. Do you think that kind of 
thought process will maybe inform what y'all do in the future at some point? Maybe. I mean, I think uh, it kind of went hand in hand with with how we worked on Asphalt Meadows with John Congleton, who produced it. He w- he was just really all about spontaneity and first takes and capturing stuff before you've had a chance to think about it too much. And a lot of that album kind of reflects that spontaneous energy. And so then doing the acoustic stuff afterwards and having it also go so well. I think uh, moving forward, we are trying to squeeze some juice out of that that philosophy with making a record. Obviously, we're probably going to spend days slaving over like snare drum sounds and stuff oh, yeah. again <laughs> at some point too. But but it is nice to have that. I, I think in previous, like the album we made before, every single song took like three weeks to make. And yeah. on Asphalt Meadows, songs took like three days to make. And so I think wow. a little more of that pro- uh, going forward is going to be the way. Yeah. Nice. Three yeah. days. It's so good. How is it? <laughs> like, that's wild. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> some didn't. I mean, some songs took a week or two, but but some went very fast. I think yeah. Roman Candles was all done in like a day and a half tops or something yeah. like that. I love that because it's such a like intense song. So mm-hmm. it totally makes sense that you were just like, no, that's it. Like, nailed it. Yeah. Rocks, just, let's go. Like, yeah. <laughs> that was what was awesome about Congleton is he was just kind of like, Nope, you guys are done. Unless one of you has like some crazy objection, like we're moving on, yeah. and you know people would be like, "Well, uh, but okay, let's move on." And <laughs> and it was almost always the right thing. I did want to ask you, and I, I meant to ask you this when it came out. Uh, the video for it looked pretty rad, with all the <laughs> yeah. fireworks and stuff going on, and y'all playing in that. How did that go down? Because that just looked like that looked intense. Yeah. Um, Ben kind of had that idea. He was just like, what if we just played the song on a soundstage, one take live shot with just stuff blowing up like crazy all around us? And we were like, "Uh, okay, that sounds great. Whatever. That's not going to happen. And then next thing you know, Lance Bangs, who is a legendary indie rock video maker, uh, jackass collaborator, like incredible indie rock Zelig kind of guy was on the phone and was like, yep, let's do it. I can have it all ready to go in like three weeks. And then we go to this soundstage. That was actually shot here in Portland. So for once, everyone had to come to my town. And we were on a soundstage and it was nuts. It was, There was like a Hollywood pyro guy and the stage was just rigged with all these explosives. There were people but like behind the camera holding like roman candle launch bazooka things we all had to put on safety equipment and we they just we did like one practice run where they didn't fire anything at us and then like to do the camera blocking and then they rolled it and all of a sudden just stuff was truly (laughs) blowing up all around us it was bananas and um so we finished one take and it was very intense and nuts and like everyone was just like ah and um lance lance said um so i got enough pyro to do five takes but let's just use all of it on this next take and that's going to be the take and we were like what so on take two they fired four four takes worth of pyro at us and like things were lighting on fire and and uh yeah i mean it was it was nuts like it was and you're getting true reactions of us in the video. It was like deafeningly loud and things were blowing up right next to our faces and stuff. And you see us like trying to like play along with it and not yeah. lose our minds because it, it was quite terrifying. But we did it. And yeah, coolest video I've ever been in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty rad. And I, that was my, my one of my questions was, you know, how many takes did it take? Because it didn't look like anybody ever genuinely looks like terrified surprise like that moment of like oh god you know when something would (laughs) blow up right next to your face uh that i'm guessing is probably take one (laughs) take one probably has some of like the raw fear going on but take two has way more shit blowing up yeah oh my goodness that's awesome well that was a a rad video (laughs) well done well thanks yeah pretty proud of that one well congrats on a good year man i'm really happy for you we're glad to see everything's going well and uh the store in the fall looks like it'll be fun Yes, it is going to be a wild ride. 
Yeah. Big big venues, uh lots of people, two classic records. Um and then I'm I think since I last saw you I, I I've learned that I'm in the postal service now. Uh, <laughs> Congratulations. Surprise. Thank you. So a li- live member. I'm not making yeah. any new music with it. But um, so, yeah, I'm going to L.A. next week and spending a week with Ben and Jenny Lewis and Jimmy Tamborello and learning the postal service record. And then we're going out and doing that. So I'll be very busy at these shows, as will Ben. Dave, there are worse ways to make a living. I'm very happy for you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I I feel very fortunate. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and there's I, like a lot of sellouts too, huh? It's all sold out. Yeah, yeah. the whole thing. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Sold, yeah. Oh my gosh, I thought it was like yeah, mostly, it's... but that's incredible. Yeah, sorry everybody, you cannot get tickets to this tour. <laughs> I just had the intro like, get yourselves tickets. Yeah, you nope, can't, can't get them now, nope. jerks. <laughs> nope. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 wild. Like two nights at Madison Square Garden, three nights at the Hollywood Bowl, like just oh my yeah. dream come true kind of stuff going on. So fantastic. Yeah, it's the calm before the storm. Yeah, the man. Moment. Well, let's uh, while we have the calm, let's talk a little Beatles. Since that is what we are here to do. Uh, yeah. When we when we last talked, you told us that your favorite Beatles album is Rubber Soul. Um, yes. Where does Revolver sit for you in that hierarchy? Hmm. Great question. I think it's at number four, but okay. a very close four. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Ah. Uh, this is hard. It might be number five. Let's see. <laughs> my favorite is Rubber Soul. My second favorite, really, two and three tend to be the White Album and Abbey Road, kind of going back and forth, depending on the mood I'm in. Mm-hmm. And then I I feel like my fourth favorite is A Hard Day's Night. Okay. And okay. Then, then I think Revolver. Yeah. So number five. But we're talking like 9.9 out of 10, and and only Rubber Soul is the 10 out of 10. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Where does it fall for you two? I think for me, I think it's probably it's probably one or two if I had to mm-hmm. pick if I had to rank the albums, which I have not done. I'm gonna say it's probably one or two. Um which is odd because I feel like I've had more revolver songs in the top bottom half of the podcast so far than other records. Mm-hmm. Um but I think as a whole it stands a lot better for me. Stands a lot higher than uh, on a track by track basis. Mm-hmm. Don't look at me. I have no idea. I have zero answers <laughs> to this question. You know this. <laughs> you love it. You're I, a fan. I, if you asked me to like name all of the songs on Rubber Soul, I would just or Eve Revolver or whatever album, I would just be like, no, mm-hmm. I I don't know what yeah. they are. I'm, I'm a terrible Beatles fan, but we know this. It's okay. I'm the counterpart to your big <laughs> you're nerd, an es- so. Yeah, you're an essential counterweight to this yeah. To this, I think it may be here. one of the more um, formative records for me, like, musically. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of the, like, cornerstone of, like, guitar tone for me. Oh, like, yeah. Like, it's just everything sounds so good on that record. It sounds, am- I mean, yeah, it's an amazing sounding record. It. I'm trying to think. I mean, it's one of, I was about to say, it's one of the most amazing sounding Beatles records, but that's a stupid thing to say because <laughs> right. so many of them sound amazing. But yeah. it is particular, like that and Sgt. Pepper and Abbey Road are all kind of like equally representative of like the apex of recording technology at their respective times. Like mm-hmm. Revolver, just the bass is so loud and thick on it. The drums sound really mean. The guitars are that just chimey, distorted thing going on the vocals sound amazing maybe i'm talking myself into putting revolver up higher on the list right now i don't want to force it on you but it's damn damn did fine you, record it's a damn fine record of course i know revolver is a damn fine record did you get into the remix that came out earlier this year what I, did you think about it i did um i listened i got the box that i've listened to it multiple times i i like the way i like the remix that I like the way Giles kind of approaches the remixes where usually it's not like <clears throat> massive changes. It's kind of just like widening the stereo spectrum of things. Um, but it already sounded so good in the first place. Like <laughs> I don't find the remix as essential as maybe I would on something else, but 
it just it still sounds great, you know. Yeah, yeah. And some definitely. of the stuff in that box set was just incredible to hear. Um, yeah, yeah. Know, like the alternates of like "Got to Get You Into My Life," where like the guitar is doing the horn lines, is really cool. Um, that was actually something where I had just recorded that episode with Sean Nelson, and then like three days later, they released that version of "Got to Get You Into My Life" as like a pre-release single. And Sean's like, we have to do an extra oh, bit. Yeah. Like, what are you doing Sunday? We've got to talk about this. <laughs> I listened to that episode and yeah. I got a real chuckle about it because I was like, a true Beatles fan needing to, yeah, an addendum to this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's true. It totally changes the story about that song mm-hmm. for sure. And same thing with like funny. Ye- Yellow Submarine. That whole story is completely changed. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. there's so much, you know, it's wild that after all these years, there's still so many things that we don't know about that band and what they did. Absolutely. And why hadn't these things come out before? Why is it 2022 and these things are coming out? Yeah. Like uh, the Beatles anthology happened in 1995. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's been more time between now and the Beatles anthology than the Beatles anthology and the Beatles. Oh, and this still... Yeah, sorry. That's sorry a about horrifying that. thought. But yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. Yes. Yikes. Yeah. Such wow. your feelings. You know it to be true. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we're going to be getting little leftovers from the anthology with whatever they're announcing uh, this week. As we talk, it's uh, August 8th, and they're apparently announcing something this week that will contain really? the. Yeah. It's going to have mm-hmm. the third song that they started work on during the anthology yep. series. Um, that Paul and Ringo have finished using George's tracks that he recorded in 94. And I think the the premise that I've heard is it's basically it's kind of a re a remixing and reimagining of the Red and Blue compilations, but with the addition of ah. anthology stuff and maybe some other songs added to the track listing. That's 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 very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting how iconic those compilations are that that they're almost like canonical to yeah. the point where Giles Martin is remixing them. Cause I, I actually had, those weren't a part of my childhood at all. Like I didn't really? discover those things until I was like in my mid twenties. And I was yeah. like, well, I already have any, every Beatles album, so I don't need these things. But yeah. I, I've since have seen, it's like many people like just had those two things when they were a kid. And, mm-hmm. and that was that. So, well, that's, that's cool. Um, yeah. And this is the one with the, they're using AI to like, isolate john lennon's voice better on it yep i wonder i wonder if they're gonna do that retroactively to free as a bird and real love because it sounds yeah. i think that's one they, of the mysteries of like what do they do with those because now they have the uh, the ability to make them sound ideally better because uh, yeah. you know there's like like weird fr- like you know frequency hums that kind of go on through the track whenever the, vo- yeah. the vocals there um my hope is kind of you know maybe dial back some of the Jeff Lynn like heavy handed production oh, yeah. a little bit. Like <laughs> let's actually hear Ringo play drums would be cool. And you know, like I know the production on those is a pretty, pretty harsh toke. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that production for the things Jeff Lynn was making at the time. It's an interesting, like uh microclimate of pop production <laughs> when he briefly ruled the world, but Beatles songs don't need to sound like that. Yeah. So maybe they can un, unlin it, but Unlimited version, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but you know, what's, it's interesting also that the red and blue, or I guess the red compilation has no revolver tracks on it, which has always been kind of what? an interesting omission. Like, I actually know, is Yellow Submarine on there? No, I don't know. Uh, I, I maybe I don't know. It might be the only one. I feel like it's underrepresented, if anything. <clears throat> but yeah, hmm. I'll be curious to see what else they add to uh, to that one. Definitely. It's a kind of touching on that upper re- un- underrepresented thing. I remember being a kid. I think we're around the same age. Mm-hmm. And w- like from when I was young to like my 20s, you would always see like the Rolling Stone greatest albums of all time or Mojo's greatest albums of all time. And Sgt. Pepper was always number one. Yeah. And some like around the millennium or something, revolver started being number one mm-hmm. and sergeant pepper had gone down to like number eight and it's funny that i think revolver has now kind of canonically become the best beatles album by like critics choice yeah but it's an interesting switch that happened it was and it was very 
clear that it was happening because Sgt. Pepper was just, I, I grew up like, that's the greatest album ever made by anyone. It's the best, best Beatles album. And now Revolver is almost always talked about as being better than Sgt. Pepper. Yeah. You know, I think it, it was such a cultural phenomenon when it came out. And mm-hmm. up until that time, I think a lot of that media was kind of controlled by people who grew up in that time frame where, you know, like your Jan Wenners and people who like boomers, the boomers. Yeah. <laughs> so like that's their, you know, that's their flag right there. They're going to wave it high. And then as you got kind of a younger generation that came in and said, well, actually, that didn't age so well for me because sometimes it's a little, a little too hippy dippy, like maybe like. Within you, without you, doesn't hold as you know hold up as much. Maybe when I'm 64 is kind of cheesy. I don't know, but this record here is <laughs> all killer, and they're experimenting almost as much, you know, if not doing it like in cosplay, like they are maybe on Sgt. Pepper. Totally, I I think you're right on with that. No. Oh, and and I was going to tie that into the Red and the Blue albums by saying I think those were compiled in the era of Sgt. Pepper is king and revolver is not as good and maybe yeah their track listing uh reflects that yeah yeah so cool well yeah. excited to hear those remixes i i'm a fan of these giles martin remixes even if i don't think they always better the originals they're always interesting to hear but mm-hmm. a lot of the time i think they do better the originals and yeah. um and and i love them in fact one song that i think is better but remix by Giles Martin is here, there, and everywhere. Yeah, but we can, we can <laughs> get to that should, when we get to funny it. Funny you should, funny say, you should that. say that. <laughs> um, you know, while we're in, you know, it's funny. Also, while we're in this discussion of Giles Martin and the Rolling Stone, you know, <clears throat> top albums of all time, you know, we are going to talk about the Beach Boys a little bit in this discussion. Are you a Beach Boys fan? Where do they kind of live in the pantheon of things for you? Pet Sounds is always number two. How does that kind of <laughs> I know, yeah, exist for you? I like the Beach Boys a lot. Um, I was raised in a sort of anti-Beach Boys household. I was raised in a very pro-Beatles, anti-Beach Boys. Beach Boys are the squares, the <laughs> the the narcs kind of um, kind of household. Yeah. And I still, I mean, I really like the Beach Boys. I really like Pet Sounds, but they are not anywhere near as important to me in the way that the Beatles are. Like yeah. I. I love Pet Sounds, but I love every single Beatles album more than I love Pet Sounds, I would say. Um, it's okay. it's not like a iconic, like, character-defining record for me. But I do enjoy it a lot, and, um, you know, God bless him. Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly, Giles Martin just remixed Pet Sounds in Atmos, mm-hmm. and I, I, I generally don't really like Atmos mixes, and I think they sound kind of odd and plasticky, but... He's nailing Atmos mixes, and Pet Sound sounds absolutely incredible in it. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to it. I have not. Format. What do I need to listen to that with? Is it just like AirPods? Or do I, I think I... so. Okay. There's yeah. There's just there's certain headphones that are compatible with it. I know AirPods are okay. One of them. Um, and then you got to do some. You need Apple Music. Okay, I, I have that. Or okay, and then there's some settings you futz with, but you okay. you, you can do it that way. That or you buy like a fifteen thousand dollar surround Atmos mix for your home, whichever sounds easier to you. Okay, yeah. No, think about that. No, I got to turn the ads back on the uh, podcast. (laughs) Um, You could buy us a coffee or buy us an Atmos sound system. (laughs) No, I've been curious to to hear that because there's so much happening on that record, and that's that's a record like for me, that's like a big one. I would dare to say. That may be my number one album of all time, like of any. That sounds yeah. Like, all right. For some reason, like I discovered that record at like twenty ish, twenty one, and it just like altered my perspective of everything musically. Wait, what? You like Pet Sounds better than all the Beatles records? Yeah. What are we even <clears throat> doing here? Whoa. Why are we doing this? <laughs> this is crazy. Why am I? Devoting... You heard it here first. <laughs> Years of my life to this project, and you're like, meh, the Beatles. Pet Sounds is worse. What is even happening? Well, there's only like 14 songs on Pet Sounds, so I wasn't going to rank the songs on Pet Sounds, and I'm certainly not going to get into a ranking the Beach Boys situation. Cause... Because fuck Mike Love. Well, that, obviously, first <laughs> yeah. off. And I'm not doing and... anything to benefit Mike Love. <laughs> and like, like songs 
35 through 200 are all going to be bad. Yeah. There's a lot of really <laughs> like, like, bad like stuff. Like like unlistenable. There. Yeah. <laughs> There's some really bad stuff there. Um yeah. But no that that record just is like massive for me. So. I feel like my life is a lie. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hate to tell you that. <laughs> but um um okay. I I I have a quick anecdote um related to Mike Love and Al Jardine. Ooh. Yeah. Um a personal story. I was playing Bonnaroo in I think 2011 or 12 I was in a band called the Fruit Bats and Beach Boys were headlining mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I was in the catering tent and kind of newer to the whole scene playing having giant stars around me and that kind of thing didn't quite know the etiquette and Al Jardine and Mike Love were in line like holding their trays of food you know scooping the potato salad onto their plate or whatever the same potato salad that i was soon to eat myself <laughs> and i walked up to al jardine and i was like hey man can i get a photo and he just looks at me with like the most upset look on his face and it says with my food <laughs> and i said yeah and he just like stands there and i get out my phone and i take this selfie with al jardine and he just has this look of like I want you to die. Oh my god! <laughs> and I still have this photo, and I and I got a selfie with Mike Love too. I should have. Please send this. You know, to me. I should have. <laughs> yeah, I should have smacked him or something instead. But oh, that's but there so good. <laughs> with, my, uh, with my food. Yeah, I'll, I will. I will locate you yeah. with my food. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even doing the justice to how dripping with disdain he palpable. was. Yeah. Oh. Yikes. Yeah. I can, I can I almost picture said, that too. He's got that kind of angry face. Yeah, I was. Uh, I felt. Um, I felt like a little person after that, yeah. but that's okay. Aww. That's okay. Well, look at you now. But if, any, way if some, if him. some, if some twerpy kid comes up to me in line at a festival, I'm never gonna react that way. Though, no matter <laughs> how face. jaded I am. <laughs> oh man, that's. You'll brilliant. be like with my food. Okay. <laughs> with my food. Hang on. Let's let me get, get food. food in it. <laughs> Let's get some food for this photo. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, <laughs> let's uh, let's go ahead and turn from the food to this week's song of choice. Friends, coming in at a whopping number one eleven is here, Insane. there, and everywhere. To lead a better life, I need my love to be here. They say that iron sharpens iron. I don't know. Oh, what? <laughs> Whoa. That's, that's how I'm starting this shit, right? <laughs> okay. Love it. Love I feel it. like this is like a National Geographic special or they something. They say that iron sharpens iron. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What? In the mid-60s, you had possibly... Okay. They say that iron sharpens iron. In the mid-60s, you had possibly... No, you have to keep it. <laughs> I have to keep it. I have to. My next sentence starts from it. <laughs> They say that iron sharpens iron. In the mid-60s, you had possibly the two most iron of musical forces sharpening each other's musical sensibilities with the Beach Boys and the Beatles embarking on a musical back and forth that produced some of the best music not just of the decade, but of all time. The songwriting of Lennon and McCartney and the production of George Martin had a massive impact and was a huge inspiration on Brian Wilson, who manned all of these roles for his group. And his work was an equal inspiration to the Beatles. Each group's newest release pushed the other to aim higher for their next one, but they also found ways to draw musical influence from each other. Brian Wilson has famously said, 
uh, that the first time he heard Rubber Soul, it was the first time he realized an album could be a full artistic statement, and this realization drove him to want to create the greatest album of all time. Of course, his efforts in this produced Pet Sounds, which has itself which has found itself at the top of many greatest album lists over the last 60 years. In May of 66, Beach Boy Bruce Johnston brought the album to the UK to do some promotional work, and at a party, rendezvoused with Lennon and McCartney, for whom he played the new album. History says that once they listened through to the album, they asked him to play it again, and both sat quietly listening the entire time. This album had a tremendous impact on them. Paul has often cited God Only Knows as his favorite song of all time, Pet Sounds went on to be way more commercially successful in the UK than the US upon release, and it's safe to assume the Beatles had their own copies of it as well. Now, just a month later, one early morning in June, Paul ventured out to John's house for a writing session, as they are now working on their follow-up to Rubber Soul. Uh, while Paul waited for a sleeping John to wake up, uh, he sat by the pool with a cup of tea and began strumming, and by the time John emerged, Here, There, and Everywhere was mostly written, with only a little bit of follow-up needed from John. On June 14th, the band spent the entirety of the session working on this song, spending a lot of time on arrangement rehearsal, as they only tracked four takes of the basic rhythm track, with take four being the keeper. They then spent the rest of the session with George Martin working out three-part vocal harmonies that very obviously owe a major debt to the Beach Boys. However, they decide to re-record re the backing track again two days later at a slower tempo than they'd played it previously. This session features Paul on guitar, Ringo on drums, George on electric guitar, and John sitting out the track. They ran through it a total of nine times, with the final take, take 13, being the keeper. Uh, now, onto this, they added the stunning three-part vocal harmonies that power the track, followed by Paul's <clears throat> equally stunning lead vocal. The song was released in August of 66 on the Revolver album and was never played live by the band. It was re-recorded by Paul in 1984 for his Give My Regards to Broad Street project and has been in wah, and out wah. of his live <laughs> yeah, and has been in and out of his live set since his 1991 MTV Unplugged <clears throat> performance. So, why on God's green earth do I have here there and everywhere at 111? <laughs> so first and foremost, I'll start with the obvious caveat that this ranking is probably the most off I've been yet on this podcast. <laughs> this song should realistically be at least in the top 50. I don't know what mood I was in when I ranked this. This is just a stunning song. You know, first off, performance-wise, Paul's a killer on this track. His vocal is absolutely gorgeous. Like, the dude can just sing. And this is such a good performance here. I think the three-part harmony is just beautiful, but what's interesting to me, if you listen to the isolated tracks, they're not nearly as tight as you might expect. They're much more relaxed and live-sounding. Uh, they're double tracks, so they sound bigger, and that helps hide a little bit of the looseness, but the production and overall beauty of the whole thing kind of makes it seem a bit more flawless than maybe it is. There's always a lot of Beach Boys discussion with the song, and that's easy to say when there's these really nice three-part harmonies, but I think there's more to it than what's going on with just, the, with just that. I think the song melodically owes a lot to God Only Knows and kind of Brian Wilson's overall aesthetic at this time. I think the vocal on Here, There, and Everywhere could easily flow into God Only Knows and vice versa. Uh, Brian likes to write these kind of climbing chord progressions and melodies where notes keep going up and up and then cycling back up and up. Um, something like Let's Go Away For A While on Pet Sounds is a great example of that. Uh, and the verse here certainly kind of adheres to that as well. Uh, and the chords really, you know, they move throughout every two beats there's an another chord. So he's really kind of pulling from Brian's bag of tricks here. And I think that's really interesting is that they're, you know, it's also interesting that they're wise enough to not try and really emulate his production style. Um, in some ways, I think that's really smart. But I also kind of want to know what this track would have sounded like with a bit more thought-out production, because it's very, very sparse. I do feel like it would have been cool to have a little more something to it. Um, I do feel like it's a little out of place sometimes on Revolver, because there's so little going on. Um, you know, Ringo just plays this basic 2-4 drum pattern, occasional embellishments on the kick drum, uh, and that almost seems like it's maybe a placeholder that was left in. Like, he's not really doing... I feel like what he plays doesn't add anything, though I don't know that he needs to, which makes me wonder if it should be there anyway. Um, I don't know what would have been better, but then that's when I wonder what Brian Wilson might have done for this kind of thing. So that's my thoughts on it. It's a great song. Uh, 111, I, I must have been drunk when I did this because that's stupid. Uh, but yeah, that's my take on it. I don't know what I'm thinking. Uh, Dave, I throw it to you, man. Fire away. <laughs> Well, I honor your atonement. And, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, 
the only mis- true mistake in the world is the inability to learn from a mistake. <laughs> so I am glad that you've grown. Thank you. Uh, since ranking the song this low, and I feel I feel better. I feel that we can understand each other, and that I'm not talking to a crazed person walking down the street. Um, uh, yeah, I love this song. This might be my second favorite Beatles song. Wow. Okay. I think it probably is. It's certainly in the top five. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably the most beautiful song ever recorded by anyone. Um, for obvious reasons, those harmonies are absolutely ethereal. Um, Paul's lead vocal is so stunning. I mean, if you really listen close, you realize he is singing so quietly. Mm-hmm. And it is so hard to sing quietly. It is much easier to sing loud, as anyone who sings knows. And his command at like that age and part uh, and a moment in his career, his command of his voice and his ability to leap these really stunning intervals in that song at that low of a volume is just stunning. And if you listen to the rest of the Beatles catalog, there are not many other songs where he is singing that quietly and that dexterously at the same time. It really stands out to me. Um, and yeah, I mean, in terms of production, that's that's an interesting... I've never thought this song needs different production on it, but not because you're wrong. I've, I've just... I've always loved just how simple it is. It's It's like a thought just plucked from heaven and kind of like given to you and it floats away on the wind kind of thing like it doesn't need anything more but it's true like what if it had a bunch of reverb on the vocals what if there was some some interesting percussion going on i I mean i would love to hear like in like four years when ai is good enough to say uh (laughs) hey take here there and everywhere and make it sound like pet sounds i guess we'll hear what that sounds like and it'll probably sound sick but um i just love i love that you can barely hear ringo like I, I think I didn't even realize he played on the song yeah. until I was like an adult. I was like, oh, Ringo's on this, like <laughs> just tapping really quietly. And then Paul is playing like a shredding bass part in it. I don't, I don't know if you like, he's going the boom, do, 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 boom, boom, boom. Like what, like what dude would think other than Paul McCartney, who would think that it's right. appropriate to put this like run on this song where like nothing's going on. But of course he does it and he pulls it off because he's Paul McCartney. Mm-hmm. Um, something else I love about this song so much is they do that thing where there is an intro to the song that has nothing to do with the rest yep. of the song. And Paul loves doing this. He does it on my number one favorite Beatles song, If I Fell. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, I mean, he's he's been interviewed about this kind of thing before. It's a throwback to like songs of the 40s and the 50s, which did that all the time. Yeah. But now, like in contemporary music, you cannot find an example yep. of a song that does that. It's just like a bygone trope. Yeah. Um, but Paul was kind of like, you know what? I'm going to put this thing into this song that somehow doesn't make it sound throwbacky. Like you hear the song and you're like, to lead a better life. And you're like, oh, yes, it's here, there, and everywhere. But that has nothing to do with the rest of the song. <laughs> and then he... He he does it one better, and he puts an outro on the song, like the the core the the final lines of the song. He changes the melody. Mm-hmm. Like people don't do that either. People just <laughs> do the chorus again, and the song is done. But no, Paul, in his restless ways, is like, I'm going to add one little filigree to the end of this song, and you know, just in case you didn't think I ruled enough, like I'm going <laughs> to do this at the end of the song. I heard a cover love- of this on Spotify, and I don't <clears throat> remember who it was by, so I can't blast them, but. The intro was just <laughs> instrumental, like the the lyric hmm. wasn't there, and I was just it kind of really annoyed me. It just seemed yeah like an, a very odd and weird and wrong choice. <laughs> to... Yeah, it's an essential part of the song. Yeah, <laughs> it's per, it's the hardest part of the song to sing. So yeah. maybe it had to do with that. I don't know, but um, <laughs> calling them out. Uh, one more thing I'll say about this song. People like to say, like, there was that Twitter thing, like, I was today years old when I learned that blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I wasn't today years old, but I was, like, not that long ago years old when I realized that the first verse of the song starts with the word here, the second verse starts with the song there, and the last verse starts with the song, with the word everywhere, which is fucking (laughs) 
God level songwriting. What the hell? Like he makes a song called Here, There, and Everywhere, and he sings Here, There, and Everywhere, but then he also embeds Here, There, and Everywhere into the lines of the song. And everywhere is both the last word of the chorus and the first word of the third verse. It's insane. Like, how did he do that? Like, everything about this song, maybe this is my favorite Beatles song now that I'm thinking about it. Real time It's just perfect. Like, you cannot... You can't top this level of songwriting, and then that is incredibly to... sophisticated. Holy shit! It's nuts that he was fucking twenty-four. It's so yeah. annoying. But um, <laughs> oh god, yeah, it's like the best song, just in terms of like sheer raw virtuosic songwriting power. And then you add the perfect performance of it by everyone involved. I just love it. It's great. Yeah, and also the that's fact what that I think he just, about like, this song. Sat around and wrote it, waiting for John to wake up. Like it wasn't even he wasn't oh, even yeah. like focused. He wasn't even like in the studio like woodshedding something. He was just like, I'm just gonna sit by the pool and see. Let's see what comes out. Me might still asleep. I'll just uh, pick up this guitar and see. You know he's going out, like you know? he fucking knew I was coming for eleven. This lazy son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is so rude. I'm well, tired of the disrespect. <laughs> so yeah, we have documented evidence now of John's sleeping in being responsible for this song and for uh get back because like you know yep. he writes get back on the spot when john's like sleeping right. so you know this makes a case for like john lennon should have slept even more who knows what would have happened well you know as i was just thinking because as you mentioned that i was re-listening back to the episode that we did a couple years ago and you called get back your least favorite Beatles song after seeing it <laughs> created in get back does that change your thoughts on that at all Yes, I too can learn from my mistakes. <clears throat> it's not in my upper echelon, but um, it's both seeing that creation process and then also like over those eight hours watching them like get better at the song and you start, every time they start playing it, they obviously are loving it and like figuring out how to do it better. And you just can't help but feel invested in their creative process and you're like, it's, I've talked about this with other folks. It's like the fun thing about that documentary was like you're rooting for them. You know how these songs should go, but they don't have them yet. And you're like, no, you need, it's Tucson, Arizona. Like, you, you'll get it. Don't worry. You're going to get it. And then they do, and it's so satisfying. And and now I've, I associate Get Back with that feeling, like rooting for the Beatles. Like, I know this song doesn't sound that good yet, but it's going to get there. Trust don't me. worry. And you're going to play it on the rooftop, and John's going to get his solo, and it's going to be cool and and all that. So... Yeah, I like Get Back uh, infinitely more than I used to like it, nice. thanks to that documentary. Very cool. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a new least favorite? <laughs> What's it been replaced by? <laughs> oh, goodness. God, I would really have to think about that, but it's Piggies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well played. Nice. Uh, Julia, my love, uh, your thoughts don't make me on do Here, this. There, and Everywhere. <laughs> Don't make me do this. You guys are going to yell at me. Oh, no. Are you are you going to cut us down? <sighs> Someone's going to yell at me. It's going to happen. Um, I won't yell at you. Okay, thanks. <laughs> um, I'm not sure I'm getting, like, super Beach Boys vibes from this. Like, yes, there's vocal harmonies, but, like, the Beach Boys don't own vocal harmonies. Like, they're not the only ones that do it ever. Fair. I, I just, mm-hmm. like, the mm-hmm. rest of the music i guess the arrangement is just like not very beach boys to me like i envision like when i think of the beach boys i think of like pet sounds and all the different percussion and not even percussion but like noises Mm -hmm. and things that brian wilson Mm -hmm. brings into the studio and you know none of that is here so it just i don't know it's just not screaming beach boys to me um i'm also not i would agree with you on that okay thank you uh, okay, so I'm not totally wrong on that. Uh, I'm not <laughs> sure that I agree that this is top 50. Like, it's a lovely Ooh. song. <laughs> I know, I know. said I wouldn't I yell, but instead I'm going to die slowly <laughs> and quietly. I thought you were making, like, velociraptor noises or something. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to come through the screen and kill me. Um, it's a lovely song, uh, there's like some really good work on the the lyrics, like making the rhyme scheme work. Um, like it's pretty clever. Oh, imagine that Paul McCartney's a clever songwriter. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, not bad. Um, but I don't. 
I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't grab me hmm. like some other songs do. And I don't know why. And I can't really put my finger on it. Like there's, there's nothing about this song that makes me just go like, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Could it be your cold heart? Uh, it, quite possibly <laughs> that I am dead inside. Yes. Um, that could be it. That That's interesting. Yeah, sorry. Have you like, got your hearing checked lately? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you you typically are like you you like kind of like a well done love song. Like I do. Yeah. It's interesting that this one doesn't grab you. Yeah, I don't know what it is about it. I just I'm like it's lovely. It's 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 great. It's a great. There's nothing bad about it. I'm not like this is a shit song and they should have just thrown it away. Like it's a. <clears throat> perfectly lovely song it's just not like stirring anything in here mm -hmm. for me and i'm pointing to my like chest yeah for the people that can't see me like it's just not it's just not like <laughs> grabbing me for some reason like there's so many songs that we've listened to that i'm just like oh i feel this one right here like just oh right on my chest like it's like i can feel it mm -hmm. and this one i'm just like it's lovely <laughs> hmm. i wonder <laughs> if um because there are some really great covers of this. Um, Emmylou Harris does one that's like gorgeous, just stunningly gorgeous. This is information that would have been great like an hour and a half ago. Man, you could do some. Do <laughs> there's, there's a Google thing, you know. But you have to tell me. I, yeah. Okay. If I Google it, it'll be like covers of here, there, and everywhere, and there would be like seven thousand results. I wonder it, but I wonder if like a different performance might catch mm -hmm. you on it. If Possibly. Maybe it's just the performance doesn't do it for You'll you. You'll have to play something for me later. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just something about it. Hmm. Interesting, because I, I read something that kind of drew a through line from, like, yesterday to um, Michelle to this song as, like, the kind of, like, uh, kind of like Paul's, like, mid-60s ballad kind of, you know, Trajectory. trajectory and called this one the least successful of the three which are the, I'm sorry, the which I thought was really interesting is like I don't know that I would say Michelle is necessarily the best thing I, mean, I, I don't know I do they mean like honest. commercially successful or like it was the uh, least commercially successful but they were kind of alluding to like artistically successful it doesn't have the um it doesn't really have kind of like the, uh, what's the word for? It's not as well regarded by fans, by, you know, commercial standards, by critics. Hmm. People, I mean, the other people, two were, there are people, the other two are more popular. Mm. And I'm not saying that, like, it's correct. I'm just, it's just a fact. Like, Michelle's more popular than this song? I would think so. Michelle? Yes. Like, Michelle's on the Red album. What the? Yeah. I, I don't understand right? this world sometimes. <laughs> that song is corny as hell, man. But, I like it. I mean, it's on my favorite Beatles album, Rubber right. Soul, but this song is, it's objectively better. Yeah. To me. Yes. I could agree with that. Okay. Artistically, yes. But it's not more well-known. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't think. As the casual Beatles fan... I would know Michelle before I knew this. Like in my like if someone said like <clears throat> Michelle, I would have it in my head. This one would take me a second. Yeah. And I think I only know mm. it as well as I do because y'all perform it. Right. The walrus per the walrus performs it mm -hmm. your band. So I hear it more often than I normally would. Yeah. So um and obviously like yesterday is like the biggest of the three. Of all time. Uh, no, not of all time. It is, is it? <laughs> I is think it's the, the most, covered, most song covered song of all time. Oh, God, really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. True story. Goodness. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. So. A bit of a downer. <laughs> Great song, <though>. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people, you know, a lot of brokenhearted people yeah, out there. Yeah, people are sad. <laughs> I, um, it's funny you mentioned, you know, not knowing that Ringo played drums on it for a long time because I feel like I had that same reaction. And that was one of the things that I think I didn't like in the remix was like the drums were way more prominent in the mix. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, oh, I liked it before I realized that was happening. I, it's funny. I, I, I understand why you feel that way. Um, 
right before we did this, I, I listened to the original and the remix back to back. And I realized that the remix made me realize the drums were there mm-hmm. more. And then, but now when I hear the original, I hear the drums and I just wish I could hear them better because yeah. <laughs> they're almost like implied in a way. Mm-hmm. And like on the remix, you can be like, oh, that's what the snare sounded like. I can imagine the snare on its own without the song playing. And, and in the original, it's like, I can't really tell what's making that noise necessarily. Uh, I don't know. I, the in the remix, I just like the the uh, for for uh, first of all the stereo panning of the vocal harmony. I think is totally superior on the mm-hmm. on this on the remix because in the original they're just all crammed to one side and kind of like mushed together, and that's cool. But I feel like on the remix, there's just this like enveloping cloud of beetleness kind of all around you, mm-hmm. and then the drums are in the center. And in a way, even though they're louder, they're sort of less distracting, I think, because on the original, they're off to one side and you're sort of hearing them apart from the vocals. And I don't know. I mean, it just sounds it's a more conventional mix, but yeah. it just sounds like kind of how I want that song to sound, I suppose. For sure. Well, you look you look confused. Really. No, I'm fine. <laughs> you had a face of I'm, like, what? I'm apprehensive about this going out and getting yelled at. <laughs> You're not going to get yelled at. It'll be fine. No way. I'm just, just going to delete Facebook and Twitter and <laughs> run away until like two weeks after this oh, airs. No. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's okay. The world needs a contrarian. Right. <laughs> I don't mean to be contrarian. See, I'm what's not gonna be trying to people be are going like to listen to this it. thinking they're going to yell at me. Ooh. Then they're going to have to yell at you. Oh. That's true. Plot so, twist. We'll get yelled at together. And people people find out I'm not like that into the Beach Boys, right. too. So I'm, I've got my own thing going on. How does this guy not like pet sounds? God, jeez. <laughs> have you even heard people. Smile Bro? <laughs> Just disappointing people left and right today. Right. Cool. <laughs> Welcome to disappointing um, the Beatles. <laughs> can I can I drop another real rock life anecdote at yeah. you? Because this one's very funny. It's Holy it's Beach Boys related, sure. but this is good content. Um, I hope it's okay that I'm telling this story, but <laughs> you can always tell me to cut I, it this, before I release it if you need to. <laughs> this 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 didn't happen to me, but I have I know someone that is good friends with someone that plays in Brian Wilson's band. And some time ago, um, I guess like Don Henley went to a Brian Wilson show. I think this was like in the late aughts. It was like when he was doing the smile kind of the, you know, mm-hmm. I'm playing smile for the first time. Mm-hmm. And like after this, after the show, Don Henley goes backstage to like meet Brian Wilson. They'd like never met. And he had a copy of Pet Sounds with him. And he was like, Brian, I can't believe we've never met. I just wanted to say I'm, you know, I'm Don. And you inspired us so much with our harmonies and all this stuff. And Brian Wilson's like, oh, yeah, great. You know, wonderful. And then um, he had Don Henley is like acting like a kid. And he's like, "Can I, I brought my like treasured copy of Pet Sounds. Like, would you sign it for me? And Brian Wilson's like, sure. And signs it like, dear Don, thank you for all of the great music, and hands it back to Don. And Don's like leaving the room, and Brian's like, "Hold on, hold on, can I can I have that back? I made a mistake." And he crosses out the word "great" and writes "good." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> thank you for all the good music. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! It's like my favorite story ever. That's the ever. greatest it's thing so I've ever funny. heard in my life. Yeah, and. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I hope I'm not getting anyone in trouble for that, oh, but it's God. just so funny. The world needs to know. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> I can't That's speak. so good. I know. That's it's amazing. just so pure cringe. That's <laughs> oh, so funny. God. So at 111, too high or too low seems like a silly question because I already know it's way off. This should be top 50 for me. This is top five, if not top two for you, right, Dave? Yeah, definitely top five. Okay. And Julia, Absolutely. you're not feeling it. You're thinking it's not top 50. I, I feel like it's good where it is. Okay, interesting. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> this is like the first time you've had that kind of stance on something. It's cool. Ah, I like historic it. Historic well, moment. This is a red letter day. Well done. <laughs> well, before we uh, wrap up for the day, do you have a few rapid fire questions if you got time? Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Hit me. All right. What do you think is the most overrated Beatles song? Oh my god! Uh, 
Overrated. What are some what are some well-known Beatles songs? <laughs> uh, let it be. I want to hold your hand. Uh, get back. <laughs> um, Maybe get back. I mean, even though I just redefended get back, sure. I do. It's still not anywhere near my favorite Beatles sure. song. Um, it's it's still like mildly annoys me, but I do like it a lot more than I used to. Okay. I mean, I would say I would say Sergeant Pepper as a whole is an overrated Beatles album. Yeah. I don't know if that's a follow up question you have, but it was not. But I think you're. I think that's an accurate assessment. I can give it that. Um, what do you okay. think is the most underrated Beatles song? Mm. Uh, I would say If I Fell. Not that it's an underrated song, but it's my favorite Beatles song. And I don't know. I, don't, I never hear it like singled out as like being one of their greatest achievements or anything like that. And I think it is. Yeah. So mm-hmm. nice. If I Fell. See, that song gets me right here. Yeah. Like There we that, go. Yeah. That one. I'm with you there. Like, I love that song. Okay. That one will get me every time. Right. I'll always listen to it. If it comes on, I'm just like. <sighs> <Sweet>. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Yes. Well, I stand behind that answer. Then. Yes. I was going to ask uh, a Beatles song you used to not like but now love. <laughs> but I don't know that that. Well, I was going to say maybe Get Back takes that. But I don't know. You don't love Get Back. Is there one that you love that you used to not like? Yeah, um, I think when I was a kid, I really did not like I Want You, She's So Heavy. Mm. I think I thought it was repetitive and weird and scary, and like at the no- I didn't like the noise. And now it is one of my very favorite Beatles songs. Yeah, I get with that. Uh, a Beatles song you wish you'd written? <laughs> oh, man. Freaking all of them, man. <laughs> Even get back. Yeah. I... <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Maybe here comes the sun. Mm. Solid. Solid choice. All right. Yeah. Your favorite Beach Boys song? Oh, that's a good question. Um, probably. Very boring answer, but God only knows. I mean. Can't fight that one. Yeah. Just absolutely unbelievable compositional. Yeah. Achievement there, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you did good, buddy. Well done. <laughs> you did good. You you go take a nap. You've, you've earned it. Awesome. Dave, well, that's all I got for you, man. Um, anything going on that you want to plug to the people, what you want to let them know about? No, they can't get tickets for the tour, so. I know. Tough, I was no saying, on that. Sorry. Can't go to the Postal Service tour unless you're already going, and in that case, see you there. Um, yeah. Uh, that's kind of my whole year has really been focused on all that stuff. So I don't I don't have anything in the pipeline that I can. I I would love to say like, well, I can't talk about this thing, but I don't even have anything I can't talk about. <laughs> right. I've just been busy touring. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's all. Well, I know. And, and last time we talked, last time you were on here, uh, you hadn't put out the air album, which you now have that out. Oh, I hadn't. Okay. Well, let's plug that. Yeah. Uh, I covered all of Air's Moon Safari in this very room that you're looking at, and I think I did a pretty good job. Yeah. It sounds good. It came out on vinyl on a label called Turntable Kitchen, and I'm proud of it. That came out sometime last year. It's a cool label that just commissions people to do full album covers of stuff. Oh, nice. So, like, my bandmate Ben Gibbard did uh, a Teenage Fan Club album, and there are many other great artists recording whole albums on that label nice. so yeah if you like moon safari check it out nice excellent man well uh anything else before we wrap it up for the day not really just <laughs> nice to see you guys and this was this was a lot of fun yeah man this has been great where can everybody follow along with all the all the dave depper happenings uh my instagram handle is get a pen and paper Dave Depper. <laughs> so Very there's that. I'm I've 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 left uh, X or whatever <laughs> that thing was. But yeah, Dave Depper on Instagram is a good place excellent. to find me. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. All right, but a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for coming back. And you know we've got 104 more, so we'll touch base and figure out what else you'd like to defend or uh, chastise me for, and we'll do it again. Absolutely. Excellent. Sounds great. All right, Dave. And I'll. Uh, yeah. See you later. And I'll email you the, uh, or is this a real goodbye? Or no, a fake this goodbye? is a fake goodbye. <laughs>
It's been great. See you later. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Talk to you later. Dave Depper, everybody. Super duper fun. It was so nice to see him again. Yeah, good times, man. Always fun to chat with. He's a funny dude. He's a funny dude. He's a funny dude. Yeah. I enjoyed that. I'm glad he isn't too mad at me for my opinion of the song. Yeah. I, I, you know, no one should be mad at you for your, your opinion. Your I opinion know. is your opinion. I know. You're entitled it's to a, not like something. It's I'm just, a-okay. I'm just making conversation, man. It's okay. <laughs> Look, there's plenty of stuff that I like that you think is dumb. That's true. Yeah. So, it's fine. It's okay. It's fine. You're entitled to your opinions. Thanks. Friends, speaking of opinions, what do y'all think about Here, There, and Everywhere at 111? How wrong am I? Please let me know. Because unlike Julia, I think I'm way off. So let us know in the comments wherever you are checking us out. Uh, if you're looking for us on Facebook, you can find us on there at... Ranking the Beatles. If you're looking for us on Instagram, you can find us there at... Ranking the Beatles? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're looking for us on X or Twitter, I'm just going to keep calling it Twitter. Screw that guy. Yeah. Looking for us on Twitter... We're on there at... Ranking Beatles. That's right. I got it right, yes. Yeah. So, uh, and also, check out rankingthebeatles.com. You can get all your RTB swag over there. Posters, t-shirts, whatever you're looking for. It's there. Mm-hmm. Except koozies, they're still not there. Oh. I need to add that. You need should. to get some koozies. You promised the people koozies. We did. And you did not deliver. We did. I'm sorry. Fix it. I'll get it together. Okay. All right. That's all we got this week, y'all. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode. So until then, stay cool. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Julia. This has been Ranking the Beatles. Adios. Bye, y'all.